right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up today. We have our man Mike Copeland from Arrington Performance. And this guy has got his hands in so many things. Just, you know, as far as the future of hot rodding goes, this guy is always out there on the edge, man. Just testing and trying, pushing the envelope. Fired up to talk to Mike today for sure, man. Uh, Kevin, you've known this guy for a long time. Always kind of breaking and cracking the mold. Well, talk about cutting edge. You know, this guy was... You know, over a quarter century at GM, working on all kinds of special projects. You know, he was a fixture in that GM performance sort of scene out there. And, you know, after a while, he said, I, I got to bust out. I'm going to eject. I'm going to hit the button. And, uh, you know, went into some sort of retirement, which meant his side hustle, uh, Diversified <laughs> Creations, now had the time and, and uh, energy that it needed. And then he said, nope, that's not even enough of a retirement. I'm going to buy out Arrington Performance and turn that into quite the machinery. So... Uh, you know, this guy is all about just sitting around doing nothing, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been really <laughs> resting. <laughs> uh, Mike, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast, man. It's always cool having you in. Uh, dude, I remember I, I didn't get to go to this last SEMA, but the SEMA before, dude, you were the talk of SEMA. You dropped you dropped that hydrogen bomb on everybody, boss. It was it was pretty crazy to see the world react to that. Um, I'm looking forward to an update and catch up with what you guys are doing at, you know, shophemi.com and Arrington Performance. Um, how's things been, you know, post-pandemic as you try to ramp up and get back up to speed? Yeah, well, we're pretty fortunate that we actually never slowed down. So we kind of maintained all the way through the pandemic, fighting through all of the part issues that everybody in the world has to deal with. But, yeah. um, you know, we just – we kept the hammer down and, and kept developing and kept creating new parts and, and got our hands in, in, a, in a lot of different places right now. Yeah, man. Have, have you ever been more excited about the hot rod industry than you are right now? Because, you know, having your hands in some of these really groundbreaking things, dude, you, you got to be on the cutting edge of development of what's just around the corner and what a lot of people aren't even expecting. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting right now. There's so much going on. You know, you you talked just a little bit about our hydrogen 
programs and all we're doing with that. And then on the performance side, we just keep making more and more power and releasing more and more parts. You know, we got some more stuff that's coming real shortly here and, uh, and we're going to continue to push that bar. I, I just want to point out to Kevin, Kevin, he said more power, more power, Kevin. That's Mopar talking right there. Just want to point that out before you ask a question. That's Gen 3 Hemi. That's more power. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's Mopar saying, I need more power because I'm getting my ass beat. Any, anything you, you need to learn about more power, Mike is here to help and educate you. <laughs> I don't have enough. <laughs> These guys are leaving me in the dust. I need more power. <laughs> That's it. You know what? What you know? It used to be that seven hundred was a big number, and then a thousand was a big number, and and now we're moving on up into the fourteen hundred and above. Yeah. That's that's where the power's at. We're working on some stuff that uh, not too long we'll be uh, sharing results, and uh, the target there is twenty five hundred plus. Twenty five hundred. Who would have thought? Oh, just a number of years ago, that, that was even an attainable number, let alone. Uh, you know, something that was within grasp for a lot of folks, sure. you know, yeah. we're, we're in a whole, we're in a whole new ball game here, but things are, things are shifting on us. Right. I mean, we can see down the line, right. Uh, and it's going to take a while, I think, but EV is starting to poke its head out, you know, uh, it's not replacing anything. Well, of course we've got, uh, Mopar backing out of, uh, you know, the, the big Hemi game there, so that's that's a little bit unnerving. But you know, yeah. it's going to be a few years, so so that ship is is kind of on its way. And some point, it's going to start landing in the aftermarket. But but you've got some some side hustling going on that might uh, be a good alternative, and that's that hydrogen thing that Willie was mentioning. So what what's the game plan there? What what's the ultimate goal? And then we can dive into you know what does it mean for us, especially folks that don't want to go down that EV route. Well, Mike, hold that thought. We got to take a quick break, but talking hydrogen, where's that going versus the battery, the EV stuff, but talking big, 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 big power when it comes to the old, you know, the old gas power Hemi. Uh, that thing is, dude, this Gen 3 Hemi, what they're doing, how they're eking more and more power and performance out of it. It's going to be awesome to talk to Mike, which we're going to do right after the break. You guys hang in there. Mike Copeland, Willie B, Kevin Bird, back on the Two Guys Garage podcast. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We got Mike Copeland, Arrington Performance. Man, this guy's got his hands in everything and anything. And really, Mike, you were just kind of teasing. You said down the road, you know, we're going to see numbers like 2,000, 2,500 horsepower. And those are for, you know, those are for like fairly common setups and fairly, you know, across the board rigs. It, it's insane to think about that number as something that's, you know, achievable, but it really is nowadays, especially with what you guys are doing and leaning on down there. Well, yeah, the horsepower gets easier uh, because the technology keeps improving. You know, there was a time that that uh, if you had 400 horsepower on the street, you were really something. And uh, nowadays, you know, <laughs> I was cool. <laughs> I was cool back then, and not so much now. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Eighth yeah. grade. <laughs> yeah, we. My wife and I would joke about it because I have like 20 cars and. The, you know, the lowest horsepower car that I owned was a original 70 Boss 302 Mustang. <laughs> right? Everybody talks about, you know, how, how, you know, those were muscle cars and they were, they were fast in the day. And my God, today, I, my wife's stock Jeep Wrangler has more power than that Boss 302 had. 
Yeah, I yeah, joke man. all the time that uh, you know today's Camry probably outperforms in every regard steering, handling, brakes, and power yeah. of all the stuff we were trying to hot rod back in the days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank God somebody doesn't go back in time with one of them. A bunch of us would be embarrassed. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. Uh, but, Mike, you guys are doing more than just finding performance. You're finding efficiency and doing so in different ways. Why don't you explore with us a little bit where you guys are going and what direction you see all of us? Because you're first. We're rounding the bases after you get on the base. So where's it going? Where are we going to find power? And what's next as far as this evolution going of EV, electric, hydrogen? Uh, where's it all going and what we're, what are we doing? Well, there's no question that, you know, there's a huge push all over the world, in particular here in the U.S., about electric. And, you know, every, every manufacturer is being uh, pushed, prodded, beaten with a stick to go build electric vehicles and and they have their place i don't think anybody will question that but nothing stirs the soul in a hot rodder like the exhaust sound i mean i i went to the nhra races in vegas they had a electric cobra jet mustang out there car ran 860s which is really impressive but the the only person that cared about it was the guy selling beer because he got crazy busy when it came up to make a path. There's no sound. <laughs> Nobody cared. And, uh, you know, diehard hot rodders, um, people like myself that have been around a long time, you know, we just, we, we have those things that we want and we want that sound. We want those exciters that you get from driving a, a car with a V8. You want that performance when you step on the pedal. Now, unless you've got your head completely under a rock, you see what's going on with the EPA and with CARB and with all these other things where they just keep tightening the, and tightening the stranglehold on anybody that tries to do anything performance-based. I mean, if you want an eye-opening experience, go to the EPA website and go on the front page and click on the number of enforcements that they're making and the size of the fines that companies are being hit with. I mean, some yeah. of the fines are $3 million. What's well, the big reason Chrysler's getting out of the the Hellcat setups is because they're getting fined so much um, for all these you know these penalties of having so many in the fleet that gas guzzles are percentage. So you know I think all in all, their you know their taxes they were having to pay is millions upon millions, um, and that's what's really forcing their hand to get out of it. Um, wh where do you see that ending? How, how do you see that coming together with the the whole demand versus the supply? What they're they're giving us as options. Well, you know, electric vehicles, they make a hundred percent of torque all the time. So they're, they're fast. They're kind of fun to drive as long as you don't need to drive them very far. So, I mean, I have friends with Tesla plaid and cars, and if you put data recorders in them, when the battery's fully charged, you go out and make one hit. It's unbelievably impressive. You go back and make the next quarter mile and it's not quite as impressive. You make the next one, it's less impressive. And if you make too many, you're going to need a tow truck to get home that night. So that's the reality of, of electricity, right? You have to store it in a battery pack. It, it has to be created. It has to be brought to that vehicle, and you have to charge it. Now, as I said before, there is a market for them, and there is a place for electric vehicles in this world. We're taking another step. We've developed a technology that lets us run internal combustion engines on hydrogen. 
Now, we debuted a 48 Chevy truck with a supercharged 6.2 uh, LS in it at SEMA last year in 2021. And, uh, you know, I think we, as you, you put so eloquently, uh, we kind of shocked the world with what we had done. So we continued development on that truck through the year. In 22, when we went back to SEMA, we took that truck back and actually raced in the Optima Ultimate Streetcar Invitational with it. So we ran the road course, we ran the autocross, we we ran the speed stop challenge. We did all of those things with our hydrogen burning truck. It it makes about 500 horsepower. Uh, a guy named Aaron Oberly drove for me because I was busy with our next uh, project. And uh, he got into one corner a little too hot and uh, and the truck kicked out. So I was really proud of him. Instead of stopping, he just buried his foot in the throttle and did a full 360 smoker burnout and then aimed straight at the exit and took off out the exit. Right. So it was, he kept telling me that people were looking under the truck for a gas tank because nobody believed that it really ran on hydrogen. So, but it does. Can you explain that a little bit? Cause you, you're saying you're running on hydrogen, you're burning hydrogen. Now, what is the, the the gases created when you burn hydrogen. What's uh what's coming out that exhaust pipe? Explain what's going on a little bit because up until now people haven't necessarily burned hydrogen as the actual fuel, right? Yeah. Well, uh, people have played with it through the years. You know, others have tried it. There were a number of issues, number of challenges they dealt with. Uh, in our case, we took a different approach to the hydrogen technology and how we do it, what we do with it the way that we burn it and the way we control the engine. So we're different than what anybody had ever done in the past. So uh, hydrogen, if you don't know, is, is can be produced a number of ways. The most common today is what we call green hydrogen. And green hydrogen is manufactured with electrolysis and water. So you basically take a big tub of water, put uh, voltage into that tub, and as, it, as the electrolysis goes through the water, it'll cause the oxygen and the hydrogen to separate. H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. The two separate. The hydrogen is pulled off and is transferred into another tank. The oxygen is pumped out the window and basically sent back into the atmosphere. If you do it with solar or you do it with, with uh, wind, uh, however you create that electricity, Hydrogen can be manufactured with zero carbon footprint. So no, no harm for the environment at all in creating the hydrogen. We take that hydrogen, pressurize it, uh, and we're running at 350 bar uh, in our tank, which is the lowest level that hydrogen's used at. It's 5,074 PSI. We take that hydrogen, put it in a storage tank that's in the bed of our truck, and we regulate it down uh, before it goes into, in our case right now, 16 injectors that are eight are located in the traditional location. And then eight, we machined a plate that goes between the intercooler and the supercharger. And we put eight additional injectors there. We regulate it down from that 5,074 to a little bit over 100 PSI. And then we electronically control the injectors and fire hydrogen at the cylinders. This is a port injected application, our truck is. It's a LS3 base 6.2, has a Magnuson supercharger on it. 
We're currently running nine pounds of boost, and we make right at 500 horsepower on the tires. So all the components to do it are specific, fuel tank, fuel valves. We have electronic safety valves that monitor pressures and turn the hydrogen off and on. All of the lines are a special military uh, design. So hydrogen is the smallest molecular structure known to man. So the molecules that make it up are extremely small. If you put it into like a traditional stainless fuel line like you would see in a in a, a hot rod car of some kind, it will permeate right through that line, which means it'll just leak right through the stainless. If you do a hard stainless line and you're going to control hydrogen, you have to have quarter inch wall to hold the hydrogen in. Wow. So um hi- Yep. So hydrogen is a fuel, burns at approximately three times the speed that gasoline does. So it's very easy to ignite, but if you were to ever have a leak or anything like that, it goes straight up because it's the lightest element known to man. It also contains, per given volume, approximately three times the amount of energy that gasoline has. So We inject it into the cylinders, into the port. It's drawn into the cylinder, just like a traditional internal combustion engine application. And then we ignite it. We use spark plugs, a very cold spark plug, and uh, we ignite it. It burns in the cylinder and exit out the exhaust. Fuel mixtures are vastly different than gasoline. Uh, Gasoline 14.7 to 1 is the, the kind of the standard for optimum operation with gasoline. So that's 14.7 parts of air to one part of fuel. In our case, with hydrogen, we've run as lean as 100 to 1. That's not where we get the optimum power, but it will run and drive at 100 to 1 fuel ratio. So 100 parts of air to one part of fuel. The only output The only output is a minuscule amount of water. There's a tiny amount of of nitrous N2O that comes out. It's almost immeasurable, but there's water that comes out the tailpipes and not garden hose water. When you fire it up cold, it'll leave two circles on the ground. The tailpipes point down in the rear of the truck and it'll, it'll leave two circles on the ground. But as the exhaust comes of temperature, and the engine warms up, all of that goes away. There's no water that you see dripping out of the tailpipes or anything, and it'll actually dry the water up off of the ground. So wow. because there's hydrogen does not have the ability to produce carbon, there is no carbon monoxide, no carbon dioxide. You can actually breathe the air as it comes out of the tailpipes. There's no smell. The water that comes out could be captured and drank. Dude, that's... I mean, for so many people, that solves so many problems. Like, whew, that is a, that's got to be, you know, for you guys, exciting and um, somewhat, you know, tumultuous just in the sense that, you know, it, you're, you're breaking such new ground uh, and doing something so, so different than what's most people's trajectory. Um, it's got to be exciting for you guys uh, watching this thing come around. Because I remember that, that SEMA where you were at, that 500 number is where you said you wanted to be that next year. Um, and it's really cool to see that you've hit that and surpassed. So what's, what's next in that platform? 
Well, this year it's SEMA. So first, the truck is 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 ready to run here in the next hopefully week. We'll be at the SEMA garage, the new SEMA garage in Detroit, running our federal emission certification test. So the truck's all ready to go. We're just waiting to get into their schedule to get the truck on the dyno and start running those tests. I had a meeting last week with the EPA. We talked all about what's going on, what we're doing. They're extremely excited about it. And uh, we'll, we're on a path to emission certify hydrogen as an alternative fuel, as a zero emission approach for virtually any gasoline or diesel burning engine. So we're on that path. Yeah. So why don't we talk about, right after the break here, we'll talk about the why buys. Because as you know, Mike, uh, hydrogen has some challenges, right? And there's been a lot of work over the years, um, you know, to, to work through the bugs and the issues and make it, you know, an actual viable uh, path forward, you know, with low emissions like you're talking about. But timing, I think, is everything. I think you're nailing the timing aspect along with what you're doing based on where everything's going with EPA and CARB. And so I think here you're playing both sides where, you know, you have impressive gasoline engine development and all the things that we really want, but just in case, right, we get choked out, you got this hydrogen thing. So why don't we take a quick break, man? We'll talk about what that means on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike Copeland, Arrington Performance. Uh, Hey, Mike, isn't it shophemi.com? That's where people can find you and find all your goods. And, man, he's got the goods. We'll talk more about that after the break. Kevin Bird, Mike Copeland, Willie B., this is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Talk to you in just a minute. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Fired up. We have Mike Copeland, Arrington Performance. Find him online, shophemi.com. My man, Kevin Bird. We're picking his brain. Kevin, the engineer side, I'm sure, has got to be a little exciting because, you know, like you were saying before the break, there's been a lot of people try try this in the past, some with limited success, some with, you know, um, trial and error, mostly error. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to see this thing start to catch, you know, catch – sort of fuel and, and ignite. I, I was out at Bonneville several years back when uh, they had that first um, hydrogen car crack 380 miles an hour. And it was so weird and fascinating to see these guys with ice buckets and pouring them, you know, in the back of this car before this, you know, Bonneville salt flat run. Now you've taken that and made it much more usable and consumable. Um, where, you know, where do you see it going and what are some more of the challenges? And Kevin, may, maybe you could allude to what you guys on the OE side see as far as challenges for hydrogen as well? Well, you know, a lot of it, uh, making the same performance. Uh, so that's, that's a tougher one. Uh, and let's say you increase boost or displacement or other things to get there. That, that's great. And I think on the, let's say the, the big picture, uh, OE side, right. You're up against infrastructure. So everywhere you have either a gasoline station already there. You've got pipelines that can go from refineries all over the country and trucks. And so you have an infrastructure. Uh, so if you think about trying to get uh, hydrogen everywhere, it's building that up. So you have a momentum problem, right? When, when something is easier and cheaper, that's what people are going to do. Uh, and if there's no regulation, nothing force in your hand, right? Let's just keep on doing what we're doing. And, and that's why we've been riding gasoline forever, trying to do all these different things. Uh, fuel cells and hydrogen and, you know, EV has been around forever and we've had hybrid versions. But, you know, what what happened with EV is, we've you know, they finally got to a point where the, the price point of EV has come down below the price point of a 
highly complicated gasoline engine and a highly complicated automatic transmission. And they're saying, okay, well, now we've, you know, gotten through the headwinds of, of cost and, you know, they got range. As Mike said, they don't necessarily have fast charging yet. So that's the next hurdle. But, you know, two out of three big hurdles. Now, all of a sudden, EV is, let's say, viable, maybe not desirable from everyone, but it's it's got its, its pros and cons, but it's a viable thing. Uh, so, you know, there's been an infrastructure challenge with hydrogen for so many years, but but once you tell hot rodders, you know, once you tell these aftermarket companies, we're going to fine you, you know, we're going to limit you, you know, these aren't certified, you know, you got to be a 70 whatever, an older vehicle to modify and do all these things, right? Our hands are tied. And all of a sudden we're looking to Mike and saying, hey man, I still want that sound. I still want the same kind of performance. I still want that look. I want everything around a gas engine. I don't care what it's burning because what do I know? As long as I can get to hydrogen, right? And I think Mike, you're working on, you know, uh, you know, how could that work out? Where where do we get it? Then all of a sudden everything falls in place, and now you got a you know kind of a winning combination that says, hey, you want to choke us out from an emission standpoint? I got you covered. Yep. Right. And so we just shifted a little bit away, and now we have almost exactly what we had with a few, you know, interchangeable parts. Uh, to make the hydrogen thing work, and there we go. Yeah, well, and, and let me answer some of those questions, because you raised points that have been discussed in, in areas that have been focused on for years, right? So to the power level, this year we debuted a, a Falcon, a 64 Ford Falcon that, that we built it at Arrington and Diversified, my two companies together, and it has a hydrogen-burning Gen 3 Coyote engine in it. So the brand new direct injected with the port injection system. So we changed the the direct injection to hydrogen. We changed the port injection to water and not water in the traditional sense that people think of it, but we run a very finite uh, amount of water. In doing that, it did two things. One, it allows us to control the burn rate of hydrogen. Mm, slow it down. And so that lets us that lets us make more power. It also let us not move hydrogen through the intake port. So we didn't have the power loss that hydrogen traditionally had. Yeah. Yep. Because you have to move hydrogen through the port if you do a port fuel injection system. And it physically takes a volume that would have been available for air. So now we've done that. The other thing we took advantage of is that we have the ability, because hydrogen can burn at three times the rate of gasoline, we can raise the RPM. So our Gen 3 Coyote engine that, that Ford rates at 460 horsepower, we make 500 horsepower with. Nice. N-A? N-A. Wow. Yeah, you, you've, you've, you've done some nice little trickery in there to leverage, right? Because... These gases behave differently. E85, gasoline, diesel, right? They're all burning a little bit differently. Uh, and it's figuring out how to leverage that difference, right? That uniqueness. Right. Right. So now as to the availability of hydrogen, because that, if you're not in California, and even in California, it's limited, but it'll be a lot less limited within the next 18 months. So there should be a little more than 200 filling stations in California, public filling stations for hydrogen within the next 18 months. 
Yeah, that's huge. Largest green hydrogen manufacturing center in the world opened in Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, about four months ago. So it has the ability at that facility to support the fueling requirements annually for 50,000 cars at that one center. What's the synergy? Because there's a lot of fuel cell work that relies on hydrogen. Uh, and, and, you know, typically they're, yep. you know, aimed towards fleets where you have an Amazon fleet. Everybody comes back to the depot and you can have a giant hydrogen you know, tank to fill up all these vehicles. And, and it's a great symbiotic kind of relationship. Uh, and I imagine that there's got to be some some synergy there with uh, locations around the world for fleets that need hydrogen for fuel cells that, hey, well, why don't I just fill up, uh, you know, when I'm filling up that depot, I'll fill up this depot for all the, you know, public access vehicles. Is that kind of helping to build this? Infrastructure? Right. And yeah. That's all coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the latest infrastructure bill that the federal government passed included $7 billion for manufacturing 8 to 10 hydrogen manufacturing centers across the country. So the government sees that hydrogen has a future. And, and so they're spending the money, our money, but they're spending the money to build these centers. The goal of doing it from the government's perspective is number one, to make hydrogen more readily available. Number two, their expectation is to lower the price of making hydrogen by 80%. Wow. So the government did that. I have uh, been working with lots of people, some from the federal government, some from uh, the oil companies. Um, you know, I have a, I have a really strong working a partnership relationship with Redline Oil. Redline Oil is owned by Philip 66. Philip 66, hydrogen's a little ahead of the U.S. and like Europe and some of the other places. So Philip 66 is in process of building 150, I think it's 156, uh, hydrogen filling stations across Europe. If and when the time comes that Philips decides that they'll do hydrogen in the United States, they have 2,700 plus filling stations across the country. Just Philips 66, they own two other companies as well, but just Philips has 20, just over 2,700. So there could be 2,700 hydrogen filling stations if they just decide to do it, all right? Now, they have the ability, we all have the ability to manufacture hydrogen on site. So it could be manufactured right there at the stations. So a number of the stations in California do that. So here's another thing. You mentioned Amazon. Most people don't know that in every Amazon distribution center and every Walmart distribution center across the country, all of the high lows run on hydrogen. They're all fuel cell. So they manufacture their hydrogen on site, right? There's a company called Plug Power that builds these hydrogen manufacturing centers, and they do it on site. Now, do you think for a second that Amazon and Walmart don't see the opportunity as the hydrogen requirements and the use for it grows that they wouldn't have their own filling stations? Yeah, man. What a big up for those guys. 
Here's here, here's a weird fact that I learned today, Mike. You want to know what what Walmart makes every single minute? One million four hundred sixty nine thousand six hundred nineteen dollars every minute, every sixty seconds. <laughs> uh, they can afford it. They can afford to build all kinds of them. Um, hey, uh, all right. So all kinds of great news on that front, which is exciting, and I'm anxious to see where you guys are, are taking that because I know you're always kind of pushing that envelope. Um, but I'd be remiss if I didn't have you, you know, at least bring up some of these crazy Gen 3 Hemis that you're building. We've heard you talk about the LS. We've heard you talk about the Ford Coyote. Now it's time to talk Mopar, baby. What do you got for us? Yeah, you know. So, so Willie, you've seen my dart. And yeah. the the twin supercharged, twin torque storm supercharged 426 Hemi that you're going to be up close and personal with. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I have that engine, basically the exact same engine in my dart. And we're running it, getting it ready to to fire on gasoline. And we'll dial it all in on gasoline. And uh, the, the target there is 14 to 1500 horsepower. Wow. And then once we get it dialed in on gasoline and, and we'll run the car some, it should run. You know, I, I built it with the intention that it'll run high sevens as a street car. Uh, <laughs> NHRA is releasing a new class, a new 860 class. So I think we may target the, the car and slow it down to run 860. And uh, they're going to release that class this year. This is using that Gen 3 Hemi platform that you've been you know, you've been working with them a number of years. You got different sort of setups for that. You're stroking it to a 426, um, and man, you're using twin superchargers to boost that thing. Twin. Now, this is different. This is twin. They look like centrifugal superchargers out on the sides, unlike the you know the typical root style or what some somebody would see when they open the hood, uh, say a Hellcat or a you know a Mustang, you know a GT500 or something. This is a little bit different setup. What? Why the difference? Well, it's just another approach to doing it, right? And so you can make, you know, yeah. each design of supercharger, whether it's a, a TVS style, the twisted rotor, whether it's a screw style, whether it's a centrifugal style, uh, each of them makes power different ways. So the torque curves and the horsepower curves are drastically different between the, the two. One of the biggest challenges when you make big power is actually hooking it up. So doing the, the, uh, the centrifugal style, like what my torque storms are, or like a pro charger or a Vortec, when you do that style of supercharger, they tend to make a lot more power up top, and they make a torque curve that's like a ramp. If you run a screw-type blower or you run a TVS style with the slightly twisted rotors, they tend to make what we call a park, park bench torque curve. So they won't make as much peak power typically or as much peak torque, but they make a flat bench. Like, as an example, my Jeep has a supercharged LS in it, and it's a 376 cubic inch, and I have a Kenny Bell 3.6 on it, supercharger. It makes 904 foot-pounds of torque at 3,700 RPM and carries it all the way to 6,500. So we call that a park bench. (laughs) Yeah, that is a park bench, but a big fun one too, man. That's a very fast fast park bench. Yep. I'd like to sit on that one. In a Jeep. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, we love it, man. Yeah, we. I play with it on the sand. I race it on the sand and have a little fun with it. But, but in the case of the the centrifugal style blowers, they won't make as much torque at that low RPM, but they'll make more torque at high RPM, and they'll make more power at high RPM. So when you're in a traction limited kind of application, my Dart has a 315 drag radial under it, so you're somewhat traction limited. So being able to have the torque come in at higher RPM, it gives you more ability to work torque converters and work launch RPMs and all of those things and and not hurt yourself so bad with a smaller tire. So, and plus it's just cool looking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See, there's a, that's what I'm talking about. It is just cool looking. You're right. It's absolutely phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. So Mike, tell us when we can have all these things, right? You got some amazing developments on hydrogen and and where to find them. Yeah. And, and, and the same thing on these, uh, you know, blown motors and all different kinds of configurations, uh, for some of these, Big and wild ones. Are, are they available right now, or is it is it right down the road? Well, what the, do we got? The, like the fifteen hundred horsepower range is available right now. Um, we need uh, a that's pretty we, good. Need, <laughs> we need a stronger block to make to ma- start making the two thousand twenty five hundred. And uh, and and we worked with Dart on uh, the design and development of their new block, and they have a new Gen three Hemi block that'll be out shortly. And uh, so we're getting the first two of them. The first one is going to be 467 cubic inches with twin 78 millimeter turbos on it. And we expect 2,500 out of that. And the next one, this will be a stretch for anybody that's ever messed with a Gen 3 Hemi. The max cubic inch with the maximum amount of stroke and the maximum amount of bore for that block will be 511 cubic inches. 511 cubic inches out of a Gen 3 Hemi. <laughs> that, that's, I don't yep. even know how you're getting that. That's amazing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And the crank rods and pistons are waiting to, for the block to show up for us to put it wow. together. So you guys have a lot of stuff going on. Where do people find out more about it? How do they go online and see it? And more importantly, pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, shop, shophemi.com is where all of it is. If you don't see it there, because we, we're, we won't release something and we won't give start putting it out until we've built it, tested it, and then tested it some more. But if you have questions about anything we've talked about or or if you just have a, a this dream that you got to have this big horsepower Gen 3 Hemi anything, our number's on the website. Give us a call and we'll put together yeah, a package for you. Shophemi.com, shophemi.com. Mike, it's always awesome catching up with you, man. Looking forward to see what you guys are doing. Uh, it's uh, always interesting to get you on and get 20, 30 minutes with you, man, because you are definitely pushing the envelope. Keep up the great work. Uh, and like I said, hopefully next time we talk to you, it'll be all about that hydrogen, where we're going, and what we're uh, doing with it, man. So uh, appreciate your time. And as always, man, thanks uh, Thanks for what you're doing. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. So I, I, I love it. I watch your show every weekend and I'm, and I'm always watching and, you know, I'm a, I'm a really bad critic, but uh, I don't get to say much bad about you guys. You're just too good at it. <laughs> yeah. We pay Mike. We pay Thanks, Mike. Man. And speaking of that show, 
Yeah, speaking of that show, make sure you guys check it out. Airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Uh, episodes also now available on Motor Trend Plus, which is a streaming service. Great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Mike Copeland, shophemi.com. He's with Arrington Performance. Um, find him online, shophemi.com. My man, Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, producer Scoop, and executive producer, Mr. Bob Ecker. Yeah, don't forget our website, too, twoguysgarage.com. Share the thoughts with us. We're on social everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at twoguysgarage. This Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyrighted 2023, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Fastest 35 minutes in podcast history right there. Mm-hmm. Mike, hey, thanks for the time, man. Loving what you're doing with both the Gen 3 stuff and the hydrogen stuff, man. Amen. Making this Mopar guys look good. <laughs> Giving us a lot of options and all of them are fun. So That's two what thumbs we're trying up. That's to do. So, all right, guys. Appreciate <laughs> all right, you buddy. taking the time having me on. Yeah, man. Talk thanks, to you soon, Mike. buddy. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Dude, that hydrogen stuff is crazy, dude. Yeah, maybe it's a down great the road, alternative, man. man. It's gonna be interesting to see where that goes. I mean, the technology's there. It's just these little hurdles, and you know, getting through the headwinds and giving us something really great alternative uh, right around the corner. So, yeah. looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. See you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.